Hi, this is Ben Lowell, and this is Back to the Bible Canada with Dr. John Newfound, where we're continuing our series, Easter, Its Purpose and Promise, with a message entitled, The Resurrection and the New Birth. So let's turn in our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 6, as we join Dr. Newfound now. On one occasion, Jesus said the most remarkable thing. I mean, it is almost hard to believe. Just before he raised Lazarus from the dead, Jesus said, and it's recorded in John 11, 26, everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Well then, after having said that, he went to the tomb of his friend, raised him from the dead. But then, of course, as we know, Lazarus would have gotten older and then he died again, as have all others who have believed in Jesus up till now. So at the outset, it doesn't seem like it's true. I mean, it's a nice thought, and it would be nice if we didn't die, but we do, even when we believe in Jesus. But if you go back to John 5, 24, you'll hear something very similar to what Jesus said in John 11. John 5, 24, Jesus says, Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. He does not come into judgment, but has passed from death to life. Now, just so we're clear, eternal life is eternal life. Eternal may mean a lot of things, but one thing it clearly means is that it never ends. If you were to ask me how long I expected to live, and I said, well, I expect to live eternally, well, you'd know exactly what I was saying. I would be saying I don't expect to die. Eternal means eternal. That's clear from everyday language. I say this because a great many people say that eternal life refers to a quality of life. Well, that's undoubtedly true, but even that can only be in addition to what we've already said, and it can't be detracted from the fact that eternal means never-ending in duration. And so Jesus said that whoever believes in him has already passed from death to life. In Jesus' way of thinking, before we believe in him, we're, we're living in death. Now, before you come to the conclusion that all these words must simply be metaphorical, well, think again. You know, I've frequently attended a funeral where someone will refer to the deceased as having passed from the land of the living. That's interesting to me because it is possible to think of our own land not not as the land of the living, but as the land of the dying. Let me put a personal twist on that. It is remarkable to me how many people I once knew who are now dead. They seemed so permanent when I was a child, but now I see the matter quite clearly. They weren't permanent at all. Their life was transitory. They were hanging on by a thread. But death, well, that's permanent. And so to speak of this, not as the land of the living, but as the land of the dying, well, that seems an accurate portrayal of our world. Now let's get back to Jesus' remarkable words that whoever believes in me, on the one hand, he says, will never die. And then whoever believes in me has already transitioned from the land of the dying to the land of the living. Well, whatever he meant, and we will continue to examine that, but whatever he meant, he did not mean that our bodies will not be subject to aging or to injury or to disease, and of course, eventually to death. The eternal life that Jesus promised, at least in our present state, does not mean our bodies are not going to die. Even When you believe, you're still going to get older. But something has happened to us. Jesus himself, in his encounter with Nicodemus, an encounter that's recorded in John 3, verse 3, said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. 
Now, whatever one might make of that, Nicodemus, the Pharisee, says, look, I don't understand. How, how can I be born again, seeing that I've already been born? Do I need to enter into the womb a second time? Is that what you mean? Well, that question shows that Nicodemus was, I guess, halfway there to understanding what Jesus was saying. Jesus was telling him that in this present world, you belong to the land of the dying. You don't belong to the land of the living. You need another birth. You need to cross over from death to life. You need to be born into eternal life. Well, the apostle Peter was trained by Jesus, and so consequently, he would say something very similar. 1 Peter 1, verses 3 to 4, speaking of what God the Father had done in Jesus, Peter says, According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. That is, when we believe, the new birth occurs, and we now have an inheritance that can't die. But Peter said something that Jesus did not yet say, since he had not yet at that time gone to the cross, and of course he had not yet been raised from the dead. But when Peter wrote, those events had now happened. And Peter says, our new birth comes to us through the resurrection of Jesus. Now stay with me, because I'm going to get very practical about this. But before I get there, I need a little more time to draw out this theme. Paul the Apostle used this same kind of language. Listen to his words in Ephesians 2, 5 to 6. Even when we were dead in our trespasses, God the Father made us alive together with Christ, By grace you have been saved and raised us up with Jesus and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Please notice that this is not future language. Rather, it is the language of conversion. Before we were converted, says Paul, we were dead. Now, using my analogy, we were a part of the land of the dying. But we were also dead to God. We were dead in our sins. But in our conversion, that is, when we believed on Jesus, we were raised to life along with Jesus in his resurrection. That is to say, at conversion, the resurrection life of Jesus was given to us. Now, it's hard to hear this and not immediately think of what Jesus told Martha in John eleven twenty six, just before he raised her brother from the dead. Everyone who believes in me will never die, he said. And Paul, years later, would say, everyone who believes has already been raised from the dead or born again or has received the very same life that Jesus had in his resurrection. So how do we understand that? Well, since Paul uses the present tense about something that occurs when anyone truly believes in Jesus, well, we've got to assume that when Jesus was raised from the dead or on that Easter Sunday morning, that then God the Father had in some manner thought of all who would later believe in Jesus, and he thought of them as having already been raised along with Jesus from the dead. See if I can restate that. Every believer is united with Christ in his resurrection. That is, the resurrection is something that not only happened to Jesus 2,000 years ago in Jerusalem, but when Jesus rose from the dead on that Easter Sunday morning, every future believer in Jesus also rose from the dead along with him at that very hour. 
<laughs> Listen to Ephesians 1, 18 to 20. It's a, it's a part of Paul's prayer for believers. He wants believers to have their hearts enlightened. That is, he wants believers to understand something significant that has happened to them. So let's listen to what Paul wants all of us who believe in Jesus to understand. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. (laughs) That is to say, you should understand that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. When Jesus was raised, not only were you raised with him, but that his resurrection life, his eternal life, the same life he now enjoyed after the resurrection is alive in you as well. But practically, I mean, what does that mean? Now, as I've already said, we know it doesn't mean that these bodies aren't dying. They are dying. And it is for that reason that we might be confused by all this talk of being infused with the resurrection life of Jesus. See, it's one thing to finally realize that every believer in Christ has been raised with Christ and now lives with the power of Christ's resurrection, that we've been united with Jesus in his resurrection. And yet, apart from a biblical and theological truth, we need some time to get as practical as we can. What does this mean? See, when we believe on Jesus at that very moment, We have joined in the resurrection of Jesus. God the Father foresaw our conversion, and from his divine choice, he included our resurrection in the resurrection of Jesus. Now, now from that, I want to insist on three important applications. First, this means our justification. Second, it means our sanctification. And third, it means that we have the power to resist sin. Now, there's so much to say about those three things, but those three are three practical applications that come from that important truth. So, please remember, my dear fellow believer in Christ, once you were dead, but now you've been raised with Christ. In the past month, we've been blessed with the opportunity to place the daily Bible teaching program of Back to the Bible Canada and Laugh Again on radio stations across Northern Canada. What a wonderful opportunity to touch so many Northern communities with trustworthy Bible teaching and messages of encouragement and hope. This month, we're inviting you to join us in launching this exciting venture and sustaining the airing of these programs moving forward. So for that purpose, perhaps you'd consider sending a one-time gift or consider becoming a monthly partner as an indication of your commitment to sustain Bible teaching programming across Canada. To offer your gift to support, call 1-800-663-2425 or visit us at backtothebible.ca. And remember to ask for this month's free ministry gift, Dr. John's new series on the Gospel of John, Why Follow Jesus. Since we've been raised with Christ, I mean, how do we make application? How do we get practical on this matter? Let's start with the matter of justification, and this might surprise some of us. 
I say it surprises some of us because if you know the language of justification, you'll most naturally associate that language with the cross and not with the resurrection. And you follow me? See, when I ask you, how do you know that your sins are forgiven? Well, you would answer, I know because Christ died for me, not because Christ was raised for me. That's what I mean when I say it's surprising that we should connect the idea of justification with the empty tomb. But in Romans 4, 24 to 25, Paul says, It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses, now watch this, and raised for our justification. Now, it might be that you've never noticed this verse before, but here it is, and it's puzzling, don't you think? And by the way, I love puzzling verses because whenever I find one, I've got to assume that there's something I need to learn that I never knew before. We do know that according to Philippians 2 verse 9, that in the resurrection, God the Father highly exalted Jesus. The resurrection was the Father's stamp of approval that he approved of the Son's suffering on the cross. And so at least that's how it seems from my vantage point. That's what the resurrection says about our justification. It is God's declaration of approval of us. God the Father is saying, I not only approve of the Son's perfect sacrifice, but I also approve of those who were raised together with the Son. I count their sins as being forgiven. They're mine. I approve of them. And I love that thought. Since I've been raised with Jesus, even as the Father has approved of the Son, even so, the Father has approved of me. The Father delights in those who are raised with Christ. Their sins don't count against them anymore. I mean, after all, we're no longer the people who belong to death. We belong to life. I mean, that's an amazing thought. And so that, I think, is what Paul says when he says that Christ was raised for our justification. He says that our resurrection is God the Father's statement that he approves of us. That's the first practical benefit that comes to us from the resurrection of our Lord. And you never have to wonder if God accepts you, or you never have to wonder if God delights in you as his child. So settle that matter. God the Father does not begrudgingly accept you. He approves of your justification. You can know for certain that whenever you approach the Father in prayer, that he delights in having you in his presence. (laughs) I love that. Second change that has happened to us in the resurrection is our sanctification. Let's look at how this plays out in Romans chapter 6. Verse 4 says, We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Now, go forward to verse 11. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. All right, all of this language is the language of union with Christ. You and I, in our conversion, were united with Christ both in his death and in his resurrection. And since that occurred, we must reckon or consider or imagine or suppose or act like we're dead to sin. We're alive to righteousness. Go forward to chapter 6, verse 14. For sin will have no dominion over you. Now, in just a little while, I'm going to talk about our present struggle against sin, but, but hold that thought for a bit. For now, just imagine this. 
Sin no longer has the power to dictate anything to you. Its power over you has been broken. Imagine, if you will, living in your own country. You know, the laws of our country, the laws of our land, have the power to coerce us to conform. Now, in the same way, prior to our coming to Christ, the law of sin and death could coerce us to conform. Now, you might have said before this, I don't want to obey sin anymore. But you can't. The power of sin can dominate you and make you obey its precepts. But Christ's resurrection set you free from all of that. You died to sin's dominion, to sin's authority, to sin's power that once ruled you. You've been raised with Christ, and now sin has no authority over you at all. You've been raised. You've received new life. The law of life is at work in you as opposed to, you know, the law of death. This has often been called regeneration. It means new life has been given. You're born again. Once you were a slave to sin, unable to escape, now you're dead to sin and you're alive to Christ. You live by his resurrection power, and all that's a mouthful. You don't belong to death. You belong to life. You've crossed over from death to life. Death can't dictate to you. Neither can Satan. Neither can your flesh. You've died to those things. You've been raised to life in Christ. And that's exceedingly good news. It tells us that conversion is new life. It's eternal life. Listen to how John describes it in 1 John 5, verse 11. John says, and this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life, and this life is in his Son. Did you notice the language of union with Christ? The life you have is your union with Jesus in his resurrection. Now to verse 18. We know that everyone who is born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. In essence, the new life makes every believer find sin to be sinful and offensive, not just to God, but also to us. We can't remain in sin. That's because we have the resurrection life of Jesus. <laughs> I know I can hear the, the complaint. If, if that's true, then what do I make of the fact that even though I believe in Jesus, I horribly struggle with sin, and I struggle with repeated habitual sins, sins like anger, sins like lust, like greed, like envy, sins like gossip and slander of others. And it's because of this that we sometimes repeat with Paul what he said in the end of Romans 7, O wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death. That is to say, sometimes, does it not feel that we're still a part of the world of sin and death? Is not this why some of us wonder and doubt whether it's true that we've been raised with Christ at all? Is there no resurrection life in us at all? Remember that I said that there are three benefits that come to us through having been united with Christ in his resurrection. The first is that God the Father approved of our justification or that he indicated that he now rejoices over our forgiveness and that we are accepted before him. The second is that our sanctification is already done. We're transferred. Our status has changed. We were once dead in sin. Now we're alive to God. Now here's the third truth. Because we've been raised with Christ, we now have the power to resist sin. Or let me put it more forcefully. Having been raised with Christ and having been given the power to resist sin, we're now commanded to resist sin. Use your resurrection life to put to death every single act of rebellion to God. Go back to Romans 6. 
There we learn that we've been baptized into the death of Christ. There we also learn that we've been raised along with Christ. There we learn that our old self was crucified with Christ. It was nailed to his cross. And there we learn that in consequence, we're no longer enslaved by sin. We were raised with Christ never to die again. And so we now live not for sin, but we're alive to God. And finally, we're told that from this day forward, this is how we're supposed to think about ourselves. We're dead to sin and alive to God. Consider yourself this way, says Paul. Imagine yourself in that way. Never allow yourself to think differently even for a moment. You've been raised with Christ. And then having said that, Paul comes to verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Now, for my part, I'm sorry that our Bible translators decided to make the word therefore the fourth word in the sentence. I think a better translation would be to make therefore the first word. Therefore, since you are raised with Christ, don't you dare let sin reign in your body. Now, you might say, I don't understand. How can it rain since I know I've been raised with Christ? But here, a little illustration is in order. Imagine you've been set free from the law of your country. Now, imagine there's a police officer that still tries to enforce the law on you. Well, in effect, he can't. You're not under the law. So since you've been delivered from the law, don't let that police officer push you around. Don't act like he has authority over you. And that's what we learn from the resurrection. Learn to say no to your flesh. Learn to say no to the devil. Learn to say no to the world because it has no authority over you anymore. Learn to live just like you now are. You've crossed over from death to life. John, you know, I've known a number of people that that throughout their lives, they just seem to have these sins that they just can't overcome. And they, they try and they try and they try and they can't overcome. So they doubt their faith. They are, they're wrapped up in guilt. What would you say to those people? Yeah, I mean, first of all, I would want to say to the person who says, I can't overcome it, uh, that you can. Um, you can't, I guess. I'd want to say it that way. You can't. But if you would learn the power of the Holy Spirit, you will learn how to win the victory here. But I know also the great Puritan writer John Owen wrote on this very matter, and sometimes uh, God allows us to languish in these things so that we recognize how much we need his power. Well, there's so much to be said, Ben, but don't despair. Thanks so much, John. Remember to join us again tomorrow as we continue our Easter series right here on Back to the Bible Canada, where we teach the Bible. It may sound early to be planning for a winter retreat in 2020, but now is the time to make sure your spot is guaranteed for the 2020 Back to the Bible Canada and Laugh Again Southern Caribbean Cruise. Join us February 7th to 16th, 2020 for nine nights aboard Royal Caribbean's Explorer of the Seas, visiting Aruba, Curaçao, Bonaire, and more. Not only will you enjoy the beauty of the Caribbean, but throughout the trip you'll be enriched and challenged by the insightful Bible teaching of Dr. John Newfield, experience laughs and encouragement with Laugh Again's own Phil Calloway, and enjoy special inspirational music, all while being hosted by our ministry team. So register now or find out more by visiting backtothebible.ca or call us at one 800 
Now don't delay, we're looking forward to seeing you on board.